Uh, welcome again to week five of Tough and Tender. Uh, we're closing in the end of the first book that we're unpacking in this series, uh, the book of Second Peter. If you're taking notes, I would invite you to open up your bulletins. If you're joining us online, you can find these notes online. I'm going to set the stage for today by getting into the first blank in our notes. Because it poses the question that Peter wanted those Christians to know the right answer to. And I want you to wrestle with for just a little bit before we get into our text. And the question is this. As you look at your life, if you were to consider the things that you have prioritized, if, if other people could hear the conversations you're having around the dinner table or with your spouse, see your schedule, look at your checkbook, so I know the season of life that you are in, how would you, how would they answer this question? What are you living for? What are you living for? Like right now in your life, this summer, is there a big event, something going on, something that you are looking forward to, something that you are spending resources on, something that you are having lots of conversations about that you are living for? Maybe it's the season of life that you're in. Like if you're like my son who's in medical school right now, he is living each and every day for that. From studying to class to studying to class, like every waking hour of his life, he's living for that. Some of you who are here might have identified and written down your answers, your children. Like it seems like each and every day you're running here, there, and everywhere. You, your life is all about them. From making sure they're fed, to getting them to the right places, to encouraging them, to putting them to bed, to changing diapers and giving bottles. <laughs> what are you living for? For some of you, it might be work, and some of you, it might be retirement. For some of you, it might be something completely different, but I want you to answer that. Write it down. Mentally make note of it. How would you answer the question, what are you living for? Because here's the thing I believe about that question before we unpack today's section. That for a lot of you, the things you identified, the things you wrote down, those things are most likely good things. Like, I'll be the first in line to say if what you're living for is your, your job and it requires a lot of your time and effort. You might have your job to be able to provide for your family, to, to bless them and be a blessing to them. In and of itself, that's not a bad thing. That can be a really good thing. For others of you, if what you're living for is getting through school, doing the the hard work and all that it takes to, to get out on the other side, to, to apply those things, to bless other people, what you're living for is not bad. It's good. If maybe what you're living for is a big event, a big celebration, a vacation that might be coming up in the future, like God does tell us in his word, using our resources to enjoy this world and this life and the people that we have in it, it can be a really good thing. Or at least I want to be, believe that to be true because in about five weeks, I'll be heading out of an airport flying into Boston to celebrate my 50th birthday with my wife in a place I've never been, enjoying food that I've heard is pretty good. And on my birthday, my 50th birthday, I'm going to the place I've been looking forward to, to going to for a long time. I like good beer, and there's this place called Treehouse in Massachusetts that makes some of the best of it. And a lot of our conversations, a lot of our planning, a lot of resources are going into that. We're kind of living for that. And you might argue with me, but I believe it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But here's the thing I also know. Whatever made your list and what you're living for, that good thing, 
can become the thing. And when a good thing becomes the thing, whether it's your kids, your job, your money, a vacation, an event, a celebration, if it can become the thing, it can lead to a whole lot of spiritual implications that are bad things. That might cause you to lose focus on, and if not corrected, if not kept in check, not just lose focus on, but forget about the thing. And that really is the issue that was in play for the Christians that Peter was writing to. They had several issues going on in their church. One was the false teachers who were trying to undermine God's word to cause them to doubt. Last week, Pastor Bill talked about one of the areas they were going after, the the promise of God they were trying to poke the hole in, that Jesus would return. Pastor Bill answered the question for you. If you missed it, I heard it was a really good sermon on why Jesus has not returned yet, why he is slow in keeping his promise because there are people he wants to be saved. And and here we stand nearly 2,000 years later and he hasn't returned yet for that very same reason why. But Peter knew that one of the issues that, that that attack was causing them to have was not only to doubt God's promises, but an underlying element of that issue was that they were becoming more focused on the here and the now living for things in this world and losing focus on the thing. Good things, even God things, were being elevated to the place where only God deserves and being the thing, and he knew how dangerous that was. Like Peter was there during Holy Week when Jesus spent a great deal of his last few moments on earth teaching a lot about the day when he would come back, Judgment Day, the last day. And one of his most famous parables during those teachable moments of Holy Week was a parable about the five wise virgins and the five foolish ones. The five wise ones were ready, had their lamps ready, so that when Jesus came back, they did not miss out. But the other ones weren't ready, didn't have their lamps ready, were not prepared for the return, and they lost out. And the danger of Jesus not returning in the manner and fashion that our mind wants him to sometimes can cause us to gravitate to good things and allow them to become the thing and miss out on that day and the ultimate thing of heaven. And with that all in mind, whatever you wrote down on your paper, what are you living for? I want you to evaluate, is it affecting your relationship with God? Is it something that you would say is not blessing your Jesus roots but maybe causing them to grow weaker That maybe these things are becoming so prioritized that the thing is losing what makes it such an important thing in your heart and life, your schedule, your time. Because if that's the case, Peter moves on from that why he hasn't returned to this very fact, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Like that promise has not been fulfilled yet. The, The questions people raise have probably still continued to be raised. God is not slow in keeping his promise. A day for the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. But eventually that day, the day, the ultimate day, the day of the Lord, it will happen. Literally in Greek, Peter's transition from the question being answered, I know that he has a return. The first words of it are, he will come. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. Don't be deceived. Remember the truth. 
The day of the Lord, it will come. And, and like Paul and like Jesus and like many others, the Bible's filled with this, that day will come like a thief. I don't know how many of you have, have experienced someone burglarizing your house or, or stealing a possession of yours. I've experienced it twice. Like when I was in seventh grade, the, the night of the closing service for our school in Columbus, Ohio, my parents and I, after the service was over, my dad, who was the principal, we went home, we were all happy, the school year's out, and we get to the back door and the glass is broken out. The doors are flung open. Inside the house, everything is tipped over and family heirlooms, family possessions are either destroyed or gone. Like if we would have known it, we would have posted police and made them aware of it so that we would not have been the victims of that robbery. Because that's what thieves do. They come when you are not there. They come when you don't expect them. They come in a way that allows them to accomplish their task. Because you're in the dark when it's happening. My wife can tell you about the other time. It was my car that was stolen a few days after our honeymoon, and my car was, was taken out of our parking lot behind our apartment. I was asleep. She might argue I was maybe even snoring, and I couldn't hear them breaking windows and hightailing it out of there. If I would have known, I would have done something. And Peter wants you and I to know this fact is a reality. And I think Peter understood the human heart because of the world in which he lived. And God understood that the human heart would always be this way till the end of time, that, that in the midst of how we live, it's very easy to gravitate to the here and now, get consumed by it and live for it, and be caught off guard by that day. And you know why I believe that's still true for 922 members and, and Christians and others I encounter? I hear you say things like this. Like, I'm young. There'll be time for me to, to get my relationship with God in order later. <laughs> or when it comes to our resources. I, I know how God wants me to use them, my time and my money. But right now I'm going to prioritize this or that at the expense of, of God. There'll be time to make up for it later. Like, I'm in this season of life, so, so maybe just maybe for right now, my relationship with God and, and gathering and growing is not so important. I can prioritize other things on my calendar. My devotions can be hit or miss, and, and it'll be okay. Because God understands that this is really important. Like, is that you? Or you? Are you? Peter understood that it was probably true of, of them and him and, and all of us. So don't forget the reality. The day will come, and it will come like a thief. Because if you're in the camp of this world is the be-all and end-all, and you're living for it, and, and maybe it's affecting your relationship with God because it's becoming the thing, remember that these things, this world will end up like this. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. 
That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Right after Peter says it's going to happen, it'll come like a thief. Do not be caught off guard, understood what's going to take place. In fact, so much in these sections is important that Peter repeats it twice so they wouldn't forget it. The heavens will disappear, the earth will be destroyed, the heavens will be destroyed, the earth will disappear. Like if you're living for the here and the now, if those good things have become the thing, and I want to repeat those good things like family and jobs and enjoyment and pleasure and all those things are not bad things. But remember that even those good things, this world, the beautiful creation that we have, it will all be gone like that. Like that fancy house you've been living for, burned up like that. Like that job that got all of your attention and all of your time at the expense of so many other things will no longer exist like that. Like the five TVs that you have, the three new cars that you have, the cottage, the boat, gone like that. Like all those things, everything, this earth will melt, disappear, be destroyed, leveled. And those are tough words to hear. Because I love and appreciate so many things of this life. Good things. And I forget that's what God's going to do. Because you know what else is true about this life? And this world? And this person? It's all affected by and stained by sin. And that's tough to hear for anybody. But what's even tougher in this section, the tough words of Peter were that little phrase right in the middle, and everything done in it will be laid bare. See, because here's the thing. Some of you wrote down a word or mentally imprinted on your brain what it is that you're living for. For God to know what it is, you didn't have to write it down. And you didn't have to think it. Like, truth be told, God knows exactly what you're living for. God knows what has your heart. God knows each and every time you've lived for something ungodly. God knows every time you've let a good thing become the thing. Like, God knows it all, and that, my friends, is a tough word, isn't it? And it'll be a tough word on the last day because it will be terrifying for someone who does not believe in God when everything they've done is laid bare and they lack faith, but they don't know Jesus. And you might be scared right now, too. Because you know all too often you've let good things become the thing at the expense of God. Because you've done things that are not good things in the eyes of God. And you might fear right now in your heart that day. Which is why I want you to hear the tender word that followed for Peter. Like Peter wanted those Christians to understand do not be terrified. Do not be afraid. Make sure you're living for the ultimate thing, that you have the right perspective on what's going to transpire and take place. And by faith, thanks be to God, we know the name of the person who, who lived his life for God perfectly, who went to a cross innocently to pay the price for every time you didn't live for the thing. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. 
The one who's going to return is the one who went to the cross for you and for me so that you don't have to fear that day, but you can look forward to that day. And that's what Peter promises, the tender words that follow. So if you're struggling and wrestling your heart with the times you haven't lived for the right thing, understand that that you are right with God, not because of anything you have done, but because of Jesus Christ, who will keep his promise. He's not slow in keeping his promises. Second Peter 3, the verses before it said, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Don't get consumed by this heaven and this earth and all that it is. God is going to create and make a new heaven and new earth. He won't just wipe it out, nor will he wipe all of us out. But because of Jesus and his blood, we are right with God. And in that new heaven and new earth, righteousness dwells. Like if you've ever needed a passage, you probably haven't thought of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 as a passage to help you live for the thing. Think about eternity. But I want you to circle two words in there. Maybe open your Bible, memorize this passage. If you want to live for the thing, live for God, and our ultimate takeaway today, new. Like, let's just be honest. For the most part, almost everything in the world, new trumps old, right? Like, if I said to you, I have an offer, pastor's family is going to give away one of their cars, that beautiful white 2001 S10 Chevy truck that's rusting, that that one of the door springs is broken. I have to actually roll down my window to pull the door shut some days. The check engine light is on. It makes a whole bunch of noise. My wife says it smells when I pull into the, the garage. It wakes her up. My odds are pretty good that unless you're really crazy or a sentimentalist for a car you had in the past, you're going to pick her 2021 new Mazda. Like, it's slick. It smells nice. It's new. Like, new is better than old. Some of you in here, when the new iPhone comes out, are the first ones in line to, to cash it in because the new camera, the new technology, everything it allows you to do is better than the old. For a runner, the new shoes, after they've worn theirs out, are a blessing because new is, is better. Like when you buy a house, if you buy an old fixer-upper, you know you're going to find a whole lot of things that, that might be wrong and you have to replace. But if you build new, for the most part, it's going to last for a long time. You'll probably never have to replace that 40-year shingle that's on it unless you get hail damage. New. And that's what God promises you. Like this sinful life, this life that's all messed up, the relationships that are challenged, the things that you think are so great and so glorious, as awesome as they are, as good things they are, new in the eyes of God is better. Because you need to circle that other word. It's the place where righteousness dwells. Righteous is another word for holy or perfect. We aren't righteous on our own, but because when Jesus returns, you know what God will see us? When everything is laid bare for the Christian, God won't see what you have done. He won't see the horrible thoughts that you've had. He won't see the things that you have lived for which are ungodly. He will see Jesus Christ. He will see his life, his death, his resurrection. And because of Jesus, you are right with God. You are righteous and forgiven. Heaven will be yours. And you know what the most amazing thing about that place will be? Righteousness dwells there. Jesus dwells there. It will be holy and perfect. And the Bible paints it as a, a picture and a far more beautiful place than even this world and everything it has to offer on a bright, sunny day. Those are tender words. Like the forgiveness that is ours, the righteousness we will experience, the new gift that we will be given. Live for that.
Peter said. That's what's sandwiched right in the middle of the tough and tender words is the call to action, which is this. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, like it's going to be gone. Like if you live for this and the be all and end all, it is going to be gone. It'll be destroyed. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Like this is the rhetorical question from Peter. Like parents, how many times have you looked your kids in the eyes and said, what did you think was going to happen? Like Peter is looking them in the eyes and saying, what kind of people ought you to be? Like, how should you live your life? What should your focus be? What, where should your heart be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Like, we can't manipulate God into coming sooner, but when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying that God comes and works on the hearts of people, brings them to faith, because we know that he longs for all people to be saved. And when the last person who is a member of the elect, a child of God that God knows will come to faith, that day will come. And we don't know when it is, but when we live in light of God, when we live godly lives that, that elevate and live for the things that are precious to God, blessings come. You ought to live godly and holy lives. In light of all those things, I have a truth and a takeaway for you. Because how do you do that? How do you live godly and holy lives? Remember this truth. The day of the Lord is coming. Like if you haven't thought about it before, remember it on a regular basis. This will happen. In your life, evaluate regularly, repeatedly what you are living for because you don't want to allow good things to become the thing. You don't want to go down the path of a bad thing that can lead you away from God. It is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. How do you live godly and holy lives? Roots. Stronger roots that will produce the Spirit's fruits. That grow root is so vital and important because it will be easy to get distracted and tempted to, to live for something else. So be in the Word to remind yourself what godly, holy lives look like. Consider the gather root and the importance of it. Like gathering regularly here on earth is a foretaste and a foreshadowing and an opportunity for us to be reminded of what will happen in heaven. Like those ladies knocked it out of the park, they sing like angels, but the gathering that we will get to do in heaven, the worship of God will be that much better than even this. Like group right here, right now to help you with your blind spots so that you look forward to the right thing because you know what we're going to do in heaven, a whole lot of grouping with a whole lot of people because we'll be with the family of believers. Like consider your resources and, and how you give. Like if what you're living for is identified most by your calendar and by your checkbook, consider maybe what you need to evaluate on those two things to, to live for the thing. And go. Like identify the opportunities you have to, to be light in the world and share Jesus with others. Because the day of the Lord is coming. Which is why I want my takeaway to be in line with Peter's takeaway. To help us evaluate and remember that. Remember these things. Time is short. Like there are only 1,440 minutes in a day. No more. No less. That's all you get. There are 365 days most years. And you know what? If you're the law of averages and you get the average... 
you get about 77 or 78 years here on planet Earth. Time is short. Maybe a picture will help you. Like I need a volunteer. You got it, buddy. Mr. Fisher, come on up. I want you to take this white end of the rope. Just hold on to it for a second there. All right, so this red part of the rope, this three feet, represents my life. It's like 75-ish years, a foot for every 25. I'm 50. I was born here, or I'm almost 50. Don't shortchange me yet. The law of averages is right. It means I'm about here. I like got that much left if I'm the average. Like, that's all I get. Time is short. The white represents heaven and eternity. So when this day comes and God comes to take me home or he returns, I just want you to pull that back, keep go, go that direction. Let's just see how long it goes. Keep going. Keep going. See if it untangles. There's no knots in heaven, by the way. Why don't you just take it in the back room there? Just go up the steps there. Keep going. See how far it'll go. Keep going. Keep going. Is there still more rope you can pull? All right, keep going. All right, well, there's a knot in it for right now, but there's more rope. You can just leave it back there. Like, for all you know, it's going out the window right now. It goes on and on and on because eternity is long. Like, all of that's what matters. All the white. Like, that's about 10 times, 100 times. Like, this is thousands and thousands of years times if you consider the, the difference between 97 feet and 3 feet. And yet so many of us are consumed by those three feet. Like living for that. There are a lot of good things in this life that God wants you to, to celebrate. Use your time and energy and resources for. Well, that's so short. Like I might not make it to 50. I might not ever see that amazing place that my heart is set on that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> and that's okay because right there, that day, it's so much better. See, Peter would say, time is short, eternity is long. Live for eternity. Like while you're in the red, live for eternity. Gather and group and grow and give and go with eternity in mind. Because it is new. And it is the place where righteousness will dwell. Brothers and sisters, let Peter's words inspire you to, to celebrate, to be thankful for so many good things. But like those Christians, may we be Christians today who don't live for the here and now, but live for eternity. Because it will be so much better. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, like it's so easy to get caught up in this life, to live for the things that are, are here and now, which is why we need you to send your Holy Spirit to work on our hearts. 
That's why we need to, to remain rooted so that we don't lose focus, so that there's not a slow creep to that important truth and takeaway. So Lord, in the here and now, may we use the time we have to live here, because it's short, with eternity in mind, to celebrate all that you give to us, the blessings that are ours, the people you've placed into our life, but even more importantly, to live it for you, holy and godly lives, as we look forward to that day, which you will carry out in keeping with your promise. Lord, for this, we need your Holy Spirit, so send him to strengthen us and encourage us to live for eternity.